Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Man, it's good to be back. Hopefully you're doing good. Hopefully you've had uh, some coffee today. I've had my fair share. I'm just happy to be here today as we get back into Genesis. Here we are uh, in the second part of what would look like a three-part series here on Genesis 28 and 29. And we are simply looking at God blessing man with dominion over all of these animals. And we're looking specifically at the cattle. And last episode, I touched on this idea of why is there so much reference to cattle and sacrifices in the Old Testament and hardly any in the New. And then also you could dovetail that with today, you don't see people sacrificing. Now, interestingly enough, we as we understand, uh, you know, prophecy, there the Jewish people will rebuild the temple at some point and there will be a sacrificial system because the Antichrist will then interrupt that halfway through the tribulation period, and that's after the Christians are raptured out. So the sacrificial system will return for the Jews, but at this point you don't see much of it, and you don't see hardly any references in the New Testament to it, and that's because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all that we need. He's the fulfillment of the law. He is the final sacrifice. Uh, The Bible calls him the last Adam. He is the perfect uh, only way to be saved. Amen? So where do we see cattle in the Bible? Um, Psalm 144:14. we see them for work. That our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out, and that there be no complaining in our streets. And I love that uh, uh, saying or prayer, if you will, out of the book of Psalms, Psalm 144:14. amen. And it'd be great that people aren't complaining in the streets uh, because of theft or the cattle getting out or whatever it may be. Oh, how people love to complain today. And uh, the oxen were used as a, a form of labor. Uh, they were uh, even used as a, a mention to like, uh, don't don't muzzle uh, the ox that treads the corn. Uh, that's been mentioned before when it relates to like um, preachers and, and their due, you know, because they're working for the gospel. One fit, uh, for one. 1 Timothy 5.18, For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. And so it's also mentioned there uh, that that uh, the laborer, in this case being the preacher, is worthy of their due, of their pay. And I'd have to agree with that. I've always been a uh, working preacher, so I, I think you call that bivocational, which simply means having two jobs. I would, I think I'm like quad vocational or I don't know, hexagon vocational. I got enough jobs for everybody. But, uh, you know, the main one is preaching the Lord's word and sharing the Lord's word. And uh, definitely don't resent anybody that's what we call like full-time in the ministry. That's typically a nice way to ask it. And uh, don't resent them at all in any way. And uh, and in fact, I'm, I, I think it's a wonderful uh, full-time occupation and they really are worthy. Uh, if you look at certainly not just preparing the messages and stuff, but having to bear the burdens uh, of, you know, in full-time ministry of the congregation and so forth, 
whew, that is a really heavy load to carry, and they certainly are worthy of it. So if you are listening and, and you love your preacher, tell them so. Amen. Tell them, tell them you appreciate them. Amen. All right. Cattle is also used as a sign of wealth. Genesis 13, 2. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And this is Abram who had become Abraham. God, of course, has a cattle on a thousand hilltops. So cattle is used as a sign of wealth because, think about it, in that agrarian, that's another big word we have here today, in that agrarian society, the cattle would be like part of your livelihood, you know? If you're a photographer, right? You know, you need like, especially if you're doing wedding photography or event photography, you need like certain kinds of cameras and lenses and computers to process it, storage devices, et cetera, equipment. That's like your your means to your your wealth, to your profit, right? And you could go down the line with anything. If you are a mechanic, right, and you work on cars, it, it really helps you to have the the lift and the, the whatever else you need. I won't go too deep into it because I don't know, but uh, I was going to say pressure washer. That's not it, but some kind of pressurized system. You need those things, amen? That's your, your way to wealth. Well, with cattle, you know, that would be meat uh, to eat. That would be working like treading the corn. That would be uh, plowing the field and they, they didn't have tractors back then. So they plow the field with the cattle, um, that could be breeding the cattle and then you'd be selling those. So cattle was a big deal, uh, back then just as it is now, but it was even probably a bigger deal back then as a sign of wealth. Amen. Cattle was used as collateral when Joseph's brothers came to Egypt for food during the famine. That's Genesis 47, 16. And Joseph said, give your cattle and I will give you for your cattle if money fails. So we see it being used as a profitable thing, as an asset, as collateral. We're going to get to more cattle talk as soon as we get back from this break. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. All right, resuming here with all the good cattle references in the Bible. Cattle uh, were spared in part of the Egyptian plagues and were killed in other parts and dealing with who was living there. Exodus 9, 3 through 4. And these are the plagues that God brought about because Pharaoh didn't want to let the Israelites go. Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous muran. In case you want to know what muran is. Uh, and by the way, I looked up the pronunciation. It's murin. That's what they said, murin. Well, I like muran better, but murin, okay? It is, I got the definition, um, an infectious disease affecting camel, or excuse me, ca- cattle. Not camel, cattle, and other animals. Maybe it does affect camel, but it's an infectious disease. It's a plague. It's it's a epidemic. Amen. I think we we got the idea. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel. So we see this promise from the book of Exodus from Mo- Moses to Pharaoh saying, look, it's going to get bad. The hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle. Think about it. We just spoke about before the break about how cattle was pictured as wealth, cattle being collateral. You know, it's like saying the hand of the Lord's on your bank account. He's going to take it all or he's going to kill it all. And then we see the power of God with this idea that he can 
sever. He, he, can, he can say God is this powerful and this specific. He can say that cattle over there, that's the Israelites. I'm not killing the one, but the Egyptians, I'm taking them all out. Can you imagine being a, an Israelite the day after and seeing all your cattle is okay and all theirs is not, or vice versa, being an Egyptian and seeing that their cattle is okay and your cattle is not. I mean, to me, that's an act of God beyond any understanding of man, how that could happen, right? You can't just say this plague hit everybody. It only hit some. And, uh, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't want to go crazy with all different viruses and stuff, but I did thought, think it was interesting during like the COVID outbreak and stuff that it mainly didn't affect children. And I think that that's just the grace of God, that God said, you know what, the adults, some of them are going to have to die, but some of them are going to be sick. Some of them are going to be uh, changed. A lot's going to go on. And again, I don't want to harp on it. I don't like talking about it as much as anyone else doesn't. Um, but certainly the kids were spared. And I think that certainly is the hand of God. Cattle were brought out of Egypt with the Israelites during the parting of the Red Sea. So God kept the cattle alive uh, and then he brings them out. Numbers 24, uh, 20, Numbers chapter 20, verse 4. And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die here? Okay, so we see that reference there. Uh, and, and also that reference there also makes me think of a reference out of, I think it was the book of Jonah, and that mentions cattle. Uh, and I, I always found this verse really fascinating. Let's see here. Jonah chapter four, verse 11. And should not I spare Nineveh, the great, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle. So God is concerned not just with man, but his creation, the cattle. Amen. He's concerned with the cattle. And if you research cattle, research cows and bulls and so forth, you know, they they have like they make friends. They have certain cows they like to sit next to and they have all kinds of, you know, little, uh, you know, traits and so forth. And I'm by far not an expert at all. Uh, I just know enough to know that, that they that God made them and he made them peculiar. He made them unique. Uh, and you're going to stand next to one. They're huge. You know, we we drive by a little cattle farm almost every day. And when they're feeding and they're all right there together near that, uh, you know, trough of food, that's a mighty sight, man. That's some big cattle. And God loves the cattle. He created the cattle. And we see that he brought the cattle with the Israelites out of Egypt. Amen. Uh, even Solomon counts cattle as his wealth in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter two, verse seven. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. And so we see Solomon having great, great wealth. And we realize that this is important because he was not only the wisest man to ever live, but he was also one of the richer, I don't, I can't say ever lived, but he was one of the richest people in the Bible. Amen. And what did Solomon say about his wealth? I mean, what is oftentimes the context, whether it's Ecclesiastes or other books, that this wealth is vanity, that having wealth in this world is like the main goal. I mean, how hard people work to make money is crazy to me, especially if you have people that have enough money and they're like going for more. I think, I think you know who I'm talking. Some people are just like, look, I'm just working to like, you know, it, I don't save anything. Like I'm just paying the bill, paying the bill. But you have other people that like have a retirement, they have a bunch of money in the bank and they're working like three jobs or two jobs because they want to be rich or something. It is so 
crazy because the Bible calls it vanity, this idea of improper use, this idea of, of just silliness, that we seek something, money, that cannot bring us joy. Amen. It can, you may say, well, give it to me. I'll be happy. Maybe for a season. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for, the se- for a season. But when you make it your God, it's a dumb God. When you make it your idol, it's a dumb idol. It won't, you know, it, it won't hear your prayers. And you think, oh, money can heal me if I'm sick. No, it can't. You know, I, I can think of some really rich people that got sick pretty young and they had all the money in the world and they died. Amen. You know who can heal? Jesus Christ. You know who can comfort? Jesus Christ. You know whose word is more precious than gold? Jesus Christ. And yet we throw the Bible on the bookshelf or in the back of the car not to look at it. And it is more valuable than all the money than anyone could ever assume. And Solomon is getting to a lot of that in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, letting us know that all of these things that we think we desire, he's had it and it's not fulfilling. It's all vanity. And so it doesn't mean that we should go live in a hut with nothing. It doesn't mean that. What it means is we should keep our eyes on Christ and keep our mind about the Lord's business and what he'd have us to do. And when we do those things, he provides us with joy, peace, comfort, all the promises in the Bible. And when we look away from God and we look towards something like money, which the world puts on a massive pedestal, we are being foolish. And again, you want another one from Solomon? How about Proverbs? You know, Proverbs is a lot about the fool in there. A lot of chapters about the fool. Read about the fool in Proverbs. It's not a good outcome. And you say, well, who's Solomon anyways? Well, he's the wisest man to ever live. How about that? So we know from Solomon's warning that these things that we count as wealth, and again, I believe God makes some people wealthy for his purposes. David of Arimathea, he, he had his tomb. And, you know, it was like made for a king. And guess what? Jesus borrowed it just for a few days. That's all he needed it for. Amen. But David uh, from Arimathea was probably wealthy. Amen. Nicodemus, probably wealthy. Others, you know, they're, again, it's not that everyone has to be poor that's saved. It's just that we don't put our eyes on money. We don't make that our God. And that's why the Bible, Jesus Christ himself, talks about how hard it is to be rich and be saved. The idea of putting a camel, there's the camel, through the eye of the needle, right? It's virtually impossible. And the disciples are like, oh no, you know, oh no, what then, then what? And Jesus says, but all things are possible with God. Amen. Thank God for the God of mercy. Thank God that he loves us all, rich, poor, anywhere in between. He loves us all, desires us all to be saved. Tune in next time as we wrap up looking at Genesis 1 and cattle. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.